Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. In that passage, Jesus brings out a, a, a thing that I think is very real in life today. I am convinced that every one of you have a stalker, a stalker to choke out the destiny God has created for you. Many years ago, when my wife and I were pastoring up in the Portland area in Sandy, we had an individual that was stalking us in the sense of calling us, and it it made life very, very uncomfortable. It's not pleasant not pleasant to have weird things show up at your door and it's not pleasant to have the phone go off multiple times during the day and night it, it's it's not pleasant and and it what it does is it just emanates fear uh, it, it's a sense of of unrest there's just it violates you how many ha, anybody here ever had one of those moments it's not a pleasant thing it's not fun to ever walk through that and, and as we look at this, I think you'll begin to pick up something here. In Mark chapter 4, verse 13, it says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. He is our stalker. And he wants to rob you and I of peace, our destiny, and our future. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, and the words for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And now these are the ones so among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Now I want you to pay close attention to these words. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Father, help us this morning with clarity to hear your word, And to speak your word in Jesus' name. That stalker is pursuing you right now. And his desire is to choke you with the cares of this world. You are not designed to handle the cares of this world. I can tell you that because Jesus makes the statement... That we are to cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. I am God built. You are God built. And he knows how he built you and what he put into you and how he designed you and what he put as the capacity of your life. And he did not create us to take on the cares of a world. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned about our world. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned about other people. 
but he knew that you were not designed for the weight load that many of you are under today. I was going from Hong Kong to Guangzhou in South China by train. And we were coming along in the countryside. This was back when many of the people wore male jackets. And this was before some of the cultural revolution occurred. And it was a very interesting time. And I remember coming across and riding on this train. It had a potbelly stove in the back of the car we were on. And it was not that cold. And they had that thing fired up. And it was hot. And the reason they had it fired up was they served us tea in a plastic cup, and it was boiling water, and it was loose tea and no tea bag. So you strained the tea through your teeth. It was really intriguing. But we're, we're, we're going along, and I look out the window, and I see this beautiful field, this, this rice field that was there, and the strangest thing I've ever seen, there was this massive oxen with a yoke on it, and a calf right next to him in the same yoke. And behind it was a man who was with a, with a, with a, uh, uh, a plow. You got that. You, I just was testing you. <laughs> and it was, but it was so awkward looking. This big oxen was really doing the work, and this poor little, little calf was just kind of, <laughs> it was kind of being drugged through the field. Who was carrying the weight of the plow? The oxen, the big oxen, not the calf. That's the picture of you and me. Jesus says, put your cares on him. He has the capacity. He has the weight load. He has the ability to carry what I can't. But he wants me with him so that I can learn from him. And that's what was happening with this little calf. The calf was learning how to pull a yoke. How to do the work. It was a unique experience. A wonderful illustration. It's kind of humorous too. Jesus can handle the load. But too often we want to become superheroes. And we want to take on the cares of everything and everybody around us. You weren't designed for that. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1.8. He says, for we do not want you to be ignorant brethren of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired for life. I love this book. This book does not gloss anything over. This book brings out the absolute reality of life. It is authentic. It talks about the authenticity of reality and life. And Paul was telling us, I know what it's like to be in despair. I know what it's like to carry burdens that I'm not built to carry. And this is what he wants to teach us. Jesus didn't come into the world to bring bad news. The angels on that night in the shepherd's field said, we bring to you good tidings of great joy. For born unto you this day in the city of David is a Savior. Hallelujah. That's good news. Jesus didn't come to bring bad news. He came to bring good news, exceedingly good news. But we're surrounded by bad news. We're surrounded by all of the stuff of the world, all of the stuff of life. 
Good news to the poor. Good news to the oppressed. Good news to the hurting. Good news to the brokenhearted. Good news to the, to the down and out. Good news to the up and out. God came to bring good news. But too often we're surrounded by people that need us. And most likely we have more people to feed than people willing to feed us. We have more people wanting from us than the people willing to speak into our life. Does it make sense? We have demands. We have families. We have kids. We have grandkids. We have relatives. We have people we care about. We have a world that we care about. We have a country that we care about. All of the cares. We can so take those in that they rob us of all the implicit good that God has brought into our life. I want to be there for people. But I can't solve their problems. It's interesting. I, I don't mean this as a negative. I'm just giving you a little warning. When I come into the church on a Sunday morning, I have one thing in mind. It's what I'm going to deliver to you as the Lord has brought it to me. So don't tell me that the toilet paper's out in the men's room. There is a room down here that has all kinds of toilet paper. If you're out, go get it. Hello? I don't want to hear about the latest political upheaval because I'm not here to correct the political upheaval. I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. I already know about the political upheaval. I don't need to hear. I don't need it. Hello? I want to hear, I want to hear people if they have needs of prayer. God, I, I, and I'll pray for you. I prayed for people in the middle of Bay Street. I prayed in every aisle in Bymart and, 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 and Fred Myers and Safeway. I literally, I prayed around the meat market. I've had people come. I'll take time to pray for you before service, after service. Anyway, I'll pray for people because I believe my God answers prayer. But I can't take some of the stuff. I can't solve all of the world's problems. There are times when I hear a situation and all I can do is say, God, that's a big problem. I'm going to pray for you. That's all I can do. I love you. I'm, I, I, I can do my, but I can't solve your problem. I, I, was, I was by Fred Myers the other day, and here's a guy out there, and, he, and I, I said, you know, I know somebody that could use use some work and use some helpers. And he said, oh, I, I, I make more money here than I would there. That tends to jade my soul. I can't solve everybody's problems. You can't solve everybody's problems. Do we care? Of course we care. I have learned to help others manage their life, but I don't have to carry their life. Our kids, we love them, we raise them, we train them. And sometimes they screw up in life and I can't solve their problems. 
I've watched, I've watched moms and dads who, whose kids have been entitled in many ways, and they love their kids. They love their kids. Sometimes God puts them on the anvil so that he can crush them to rebuild them. And as the hammer's coming down, mom and dad jump in the middle and take the blow. And the kid learns nothing, but mom and dad are pained. God didn't design us to shoulder the cares of everybody. He didn't design us to carry the emotional baggage of everybody. So let me get to the message. Are you caring about things that are beyond you? Mark 4.19, and the cares of the world. It's one of the stalkers. Are you caring for things you cannot fix? Are you weighed down by the cares of this world to the point that, that, that your world is sinking? That it's affected you emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually? I've got an exercise. You may not remember one thing about this message this morning, but I'll guarantee you'll remember this. You carried enough. Now I want you to say it with me. Enough. enough. Say it like you mean it. Enough. enough. Now say it like the devil needs to hear it. Enough. I almost feel a relief having said enough. There comes a point where we've had enough. I've only got one nerve and you're standing on it. <laughs> Hello? You, you felt like that? Yes. <laughs> it's not that things aren't important. You know that. It's not that you don't care. You understand that. But there are some things that you just can't solve. I, I get a kick out of it. Some, sometimes they'll call you in the middle of the night and they dump all of this stuff on you and then they go to bed and you're sitting there like... You been there? You know what you do? Call them back. <laughs> no, you don't do that. Understand your capacity. I, I shared in the first service this morning that when we first came here, it was, things were tight and finances were tight, and, and I wasn't worried a bit about it I, because I, I just know what God's going to do. I know. I know. I've been around long enough. I know the gift he's given to me. I know how I can trust him. And, and I remember Jane, she was fretting about, I said, Jane, all you do is write the checks that I tell you to write. You let me worry about the finances. And I don't. I don't worry about them. I manage them. I budget them. I take care of them. We, we, I know where every dime is. But I don't worry about it. You see, stewardship is living beneath your means and being generous. 
And I know that if we keep both those in right harmony, God's going to bless it. And he's always blessed. And he has blessed it. Can I just tell you a little story? Last Sunday was one of the largest financial days we've had since I've been here in seven years. We, we had a, a wonderful general fund offering. And on top of that, and there were other gifts in, included in that. But then we had the, the special offering for Africa's Hope and for John and, and Cheryl Easter. And, and here's the thing that I just love. Above, it, it came out, just that offering in combination came out to be almost $13,000. Can you say praise the Lord for that? That's the blessing of God. And so when I tell them, don't worry about that's because that's my gift. That's my burden. And I'm capable of that. But don't assume it because you don't need it. Hello? And, and, and it goes with that in every aspect of our life. God has given each of us a limiter and a governor. I remember years ago, I drove school bus. And man, I love driving that big behemoth. And I get that thing with all these rugrats. I mean, these little kids. <laughs> and I would, boy, I tell you what. I would slam that thing down, and it would go up to 50 miles an hour, 55 miles an hour, and then hit the governor. Oh, I hated that. It was there for the kids' protection. Y'all understand? Why? Because there was a safety protection, and there was a there was there was. There was something given there that, that kept people safe and sane. Some of them. God has put a governor and he's put a limiter in us. Second thing that hits me is found in Mark 4, 419. It says, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches I've heard people actually say God hates riches. Really? Then explain to me Deuteronomy 8:18 and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Hmm. Doesn't sound like he's really that angry at riches. I know wealthy people that are not greedy and God blesses them. But I know poor people that are greedy, and he doesn't. You see, it isn't wealth. It's attitude of heart. What he's saying here is, is riches are deceitful. Malachi says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this. This is the only place in Scripture where you have God saying, test me. Put God to the test. Test me and see, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will be no room, not room enough to receive it. How many of you need that kind of an expansion in your home where the blessings of God are so big you don't have room adequate to receive what he's given you? And it comes because you put him first. You give him prior claim in everything you have. Sherry and I love to give. Now, we're not foolish in our giving, but we love to give. And it's nobody's business what we give, but I can assure you that we give. And, and I'm almost embarrassed with the blessings that God has given back to us. 
he has given us many, many wonderful blessings. Everything that I have has come because of the blessings of God. Everything, literally everything I have. And I'm grateful for that. I appreciate that. If my motive is only to get, I'll never have enough. If the idea is to possess, there will always be more that I want. That's, that's gotta be, there's got to be something more. The deceitfulness of riches is something that's real. It, it, the deceitfulness of riches are not those who have them, but too often those that don't. The deceitfulness of riches is associated is associating joy with stuff. The more stuff I have, the happier I'll be. I can take you to mansion after mansion after mansion across this nation of people that have stuff, 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 and they will kill themselves, they're drugging themselves, they're drowning themselves, they're self-medicating themselves, they're killing themselves because stuff doesn't bring joy. Too often people have the false illusion that the things you own define who you are. You see, folks, when you know who you are and know whose you are and you know what God has done in your life, you don't have to impress anybody. Hello? I'm a child of the king. Say that with me. I'm a child of the king. Now sit up and hold your head up straight because you're a child of the king. My father-in-law used to give me a bad time. He says, I'd walk and sometimes I'd stoop in my head. He says, don't you take the tech head. You're a child of the king. Walk around like you hold your head up high. You put your shoulders back. Don't walk with arrogance, but walk with the understanding that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're a child of the living God. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, that goes for you too. You want good success? You want good success? Listen to what Joshua says. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. You shall, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Boy, that's a pretty good mandate. Get this word. Eat this word. Drink this word. Live this word. Invest this word in your life. And then listen to what he says. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, let me share with you something. If there's good success, there's bad success. I've been doing a Bible study in men's group on Thursday mornings, and we're in the book of Revelation. This week we talked about the church at Thyatira. And I'm not going to get into all of it, but to share this one thought. In that church, there was this dynamic that you had to compromise to the world and able to succeed in the world. And one of the dynamics was that business is business and serving Christ is serving Christ. That you can live this way because this is business, but this is the way that we are as a child of God. May I tell you, that is a lie right out of hell. Give you an illustration of it. 
we were in Lodi. I pastored the church there in Lodi, and I had a lady come in one day, and she said, Pastor, I want to I start a Bible study. I said, that's wonderful. I like that. Man, that throws my heart. I said, and, but I didn't know her. I didn't know anything about her. She says, I need some material. How can I do I, So I shared some thoughts. I said, well, tell me a little about who you are. I would not met her. Very pleasant young lady. And she says, oh, and she gave me her name. And I said, well, what do you do? And she says, well, I'm a working girl. Uh, explain that. She said, well, I'm a prostitute. And you want to have a Bible study. Help me understand this. Well, that's what I do to make a living. But I want to have a Bible study. That's a pretty vivid illustration, but I think it shares what I'm trying to share. Biblical practices are in all parts of life. Our business affairs how we live, how we do business. Is our word real or is it not? Does, is our word our bond or, or, or are we doing things shady? Are we doing things under the table? Are we, are we paying our employees right? Do we have, are we doing it correctly? You can't, you can't do shady business and expect God's blessing, friends. Do, do you, is this making sense? The deceitfulness of riches is the enemy attempting to trick you into bad decisions. When God's blessing come to you, you have to have a new mindset. I think it's important to be generous. I really do. But I don't let others tell me how I'm to be generous. Does that make sense? I've had some very wealthy people in churches that we've pastored, and it was always a frustration to me because I was always watching people going, and because they had much, others assumed that they should give to them. Well, I have a simple standard practice. If you don't work, you don't eat. Where's the heart in that? Work for it. Earn it. Put some energy into it. Do something about it. I need to choose who I'm going to be charitable toward. Second, in any area where you are successful, in any area where you are successful, don't look for reciprocity. There will always be people around you that you're going to be more generous to, and they won't be generous back, or maybe can't be generous back. There, there, there might be skill levels that you have that, that God has blessed you with. Don't expect something back. Just do it for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. To whom much is given, much is required. Mark 4.19, the last point of it, it says, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust or other things entering in choke the word. We usually have in our mindset the idea of lust being a sexual connotation. And many times it is. But what this really is is the spirit of covetousness. 
Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's beast of burden, his sheep, his manservant, his maidservant, his wife. The lust for other things is really the desire to be here when you're here. It's the desire that what you have isn't enough. The lust for things will choke out and kill your destiny. I've seen single people lust to be married. And I've seen married people, well, we won't go there. (laughs) It's the desire to be someplace other than where you are now. Thin people want to gain weight. Big people want to lose weight. You you understand what I'm saying? The lust for other things is the seduction of the enemy who always makes other people's lives look better than your own. Oh, if I only had a wife like, like your wife, Pastor. I'm grateful for the wife I have, but do you know her? I don't mean that bad, but I'm saying, do you know her? I'd love to have a marriage like yours. Well, I'm glad we've had a good marriage, 50 years. It's a wonderful marriage. It's a marriage made in heaven. But then so was lightning and thunder. What I'm trying to tell you is, how do you know what that other person's life is like? How do you know what that other relationship is like? How do you know? And I'm going to have to pray real hard. She could also tell you, do you know him? And she'd be on better ground than me. Well, all of a sudden, I just feel real flush. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning? Somehow, the enemy wants you to believe that you're missing out on something Somehow you're missing out on something, that God has withheld something for you. And I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. God made you on purpose. The enemy couldn't take away what God gave you. He just devalues that wonderful gift in your eyes so that you don't appreciate it anymore. It's the lust for other things. I had a young lady in our church that was Miss Washington. Beautiful girl. Still is a beautiful girl. And I remember talking to Talia one day and we were talking. I said, you know, I said, it's something to be put into that role to be given that honor she says you know pastor it is but she says I can tell you something every girl in that Miss America pageant every one of them were exquisitely beautiful and every one of us compared ourselves to somebody else the lust for other things 
if God would have only made me four inches taller. I come to the conclusion that I am very grateful for the altitude that God placed me at because I do not bang my head very often. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm trying to say? Yes. The lust for other things. It's amazing to me that Jesus didn't define this. It's a rather nebulous thing. It could be anything. It wasn't just sexual. It could be anything. Have you ever... He wants us to be happy with who we are, content with who we are. It starts young. Kids, how old are you? Eight and a half. I'm nine and a half. I don't hear that at 40. Now, when you get up to be about 95, that extra half is an extra blessing. But do but you understand what I'm saying? It starts young. You know what's killing America? Other things. The Bible tells us to stop coveting for other things. The Bible tells us to be content in the state we're in. The lust, the drive, the struggle, the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for all of these other things. It's the enemy's ploy to strangle you, to hold you, to bind you, to keep you from the potential that God created for you. Listen to these words. David said it so well, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. Put your hand on your chest. This is the creation of God, and he did it on purpose, and there's not another you in this world. You're one of a kind, and he threw away the mold. So you walk out of here, you hold your head up. You're one of a kind. God made, God designed, God outfitted, God programmed, God created. Hallelujah. I don't have to be somebody else. The most original thing in the world is to thank God for what he made you because you are an original. Amen. Jeremiah 29 says it this way. My favorite passage of scripture. For I know the thoughts I have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And 
I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. The enemy is a rotten devil that wants to strangle, kill, destroy, and God is a God that's gracious, who wants to build you, strengthen you, encourage you, equip you. And when you come to that place where you know that he is everything that you need in life, joy unspeakable and full of glory, that is the place of true contentment. Amen? Amen. So say it with me this morning. I've had enough. Say it a little louder. I've had enough. Stand with me this morning, would you please? Jesus, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for all the blessings that you provide through your life to us. I pray, Father, this morning that for some it's a liberating thing to say that's enough. It's okay, I can't take care of every circumstance. I can't take care of all of the problems. I can't take care of all of the needs. It's okay. I believe God is giving you permission to say, I can't. I can only do what I can, and I can't go beyond it. I have a governor and a limiter in my capacity and in my ability. And for my own spirit, peace of mind and soundness of mind. I care about people. I care about their challenges, but I refuse to carry their burden one more day. Only God can carry that burden. I can encourage them. I can, I can care about them. But I cannot take the emotional, mental, or spiritual weight because that's designed for God to carry and not for me. I don't know when I waited on the Lord and he spoke these words into my heart. I had no idea whom he would be speaking to. But I feel in both services today, God has specifically directed these words to people. And you don't need my permission, but in case you need permission, I want you to know this. You have God's permission. You have God's permission to say to people, I love you. I'm concerned for you, but I cannot solve your problem. And don't take that problem and let it bear burden on you. Can you say amen? amen? How many of you with a lifted hand say, Pastor, to the best of my ability, I'm going to do that today. Amen. There may be friends here this morning that you've never, ever invited the Prince of Peace to be the peace speaker into your own life. Maybe you've never yielded your life fully to him. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I need you. 
Maybe you've tried to be the superhero. I'm going to do it myself. There are some things you can't do yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't make yourself right enough for God. You can't perform good enough in this world. He did all of that for you. But what you can do is say, Jesus, I need you. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need you as my Savior, my only Savior. I need you as my God. I need you today. Maybe it's just getting back to him. But this morning, you're going to make a declaration to him because you mean it. You're here not because of an accident, not, not merely because somebody may have invited you. You're here because a loving God directed your steps into this room this morning in this place to hear his word and to hear a word that says he cares about you. And he does. How many of you would simply respond with me and say, Jesus, I really need you today. Can I see your hand? I really need you today. I need your wisdom. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. Lord Jesus, you see every hand, every life, every burden, every hurt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Father, that you've chosen to speak words that hopefully will encourage. I know they will because they're your words. I ask your peace to come to the troubled heart, troubled mind, troubled soul. I pray, Father, that the sweet peace of Jesus would just settle over every life, every person in this room. And that, Father, you will grant to them that, that sweet joy. Doesn't come from stuff. Doesn't come from another person. It only comes from you. So, Father, I'm asking that you would just impart that right now in the name of Jesus. Take away that hurt and that pain and that discomfort. Remove that, Father, in the name of Jesus. For your glory, we're going to pray and ask it in Jesus' name. And would you lift your hands for the blessing? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bring his peace his comfort, his strength, his healing, his goodness, that it would overshadow you, go before you in every aspect of your life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his presence known to you and grant you his peace. And all of God's people can say, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Now, before we leave this morning, why don't you turn and find somebody that looks like they got a huggable neck and let them know that you care about them. Amen. Amen. God bless you.